the 19th hole podcast presented by golf talk live and brought to you by perfect practice putting mat yips and survivor golf tee how do you measure yourself with other golfers by height it's a very very special honor i'm paula kramer and you're listening well we're waiting hi this is martin cove aka john crease from cobra kai and you're listening to golf talk live let the word go out from here across the land that Danny Noonan uh, approves of the 19th Hole Podcast. Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the 19th Hole Podcast. And welcome again to Golf Talk Live's 19th Hole Podcast. We're giddy because we're, we're, we got four out of the five panel members here. Wait a minute. Is giddy? That's like champion bro kind of like senior bro kind of word sorry my bad so anyway hey i'm your uh co-host alan depew i'm joined on our panel as always the ever-present one except when he's not present andy Hydorn, boston bob baldessari and brendan elliott and noticeably absent you saw him all over our social media channel i was highlighting him because bro he was hitting it long. He's probably he's out. He says he's out with mom, and we respect that. You got to be out with mom. You got to take care of mama, right? But Christian Nazamus, prettiest podcaster in golf, visited my golf course, came down to the Jersey Shore, and boys, the kid hit it long. You stretched out those men's senior tees. He had one foot at the end of the back of the men's senior tee. It's impressive. Yeah. I didn't want to say that, but you know, I think that's the truth. Old fast <laughs> twitch Christian. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, no, great kid. Uh, we oh, always a great addition to our our panel because he he lowers the age by like thirty, and um, <laughs> but uh, he was there with some of his buddies. They were enjoying a good time. And uh, he literally shows up. Uh, he's every golf operator. His, his group was every golf operator's nightmare. They showed up two minutes before their tea time. They walked in, took a picture with me in the golf shop, borrowed my driver, by the way. So I'm going to I'm going to say the fact that he was hit it along was simply because he was swinging my 55 gram uh, stealth. That, you know, that's what it 10 and a half degrees stealth. You didn't you didn't take any of the long ones out of that driver yet. You left them all in there for him. I mm-hmm. that's the kind of courteous host that I am, Andy. <laughs> that, that is that is very, very nice of you. And what we can learn from this, Bobby, is that in the hands of somebody that knows what the hell they're doing with that <laughs> club, <laughs> it actually goes. Yeah, that was nice of you to just tee that up. No pun intended, but I know that you were I saw the video from the uh, security that you were back there tinkering. With the club, I was, I was, I absolutely was. So he uh, he stripes it down number ten. I didn't spend that much time with him. He's with his boys. I didn't want to mess with him. So you know, I had other bros to deal with, and uh, you know, he striped it down ten right out of the gate. And then I get to eighteen. I got to tell this story because I shared it on social. But Brendan, we were laughing about it before I hit record. I parked under a tree, and there's a picture of how far I zoomed in as far as possible. And Christian hits. And yeah, there was a little cart path assistance, but he's playing 350 uphill. It hits the path, goes over the people who's alongside the greens cart, hits the path, and starts rolling back negative distance. 
And the dude on the green, I look, we made contact at the same time. And he wasn't a bad player. He had a hell of a shot out of the bunker. He looks back at me and he goes, bro, <laughs> who is that? Dustin Johnson back there. <laughs> I said, no, I said, no, that's just Christian. It's fun to it's fun to say that word, isn't it? Bro. Bro. He said, don't say, he just texted me. He said, don't say anything negative about us. You know, we would never say anything negative about it, but I did. I, I did forget to do this for when we were there. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to wear my shirt, Christian. I have got it on for the boys right now. My golf bro shirt. <laughs> Well, look, you, you, you can't just talk about it. You got to tell the listeners what the hell is on that shirt. Oh, well. Everything. Everything's on that shirt. <laughs> it's good. I, I see some uh, orchids, some pink flamingos. Yeah, we got mingos. Yeah, we got mingos. We got definitely have an orchid. Yep. There's a palm, got a little palm, palm trees in the, yep. A lovely combo of like aqua, green, pink. <laughs> It's a it's a beautiful piece of clothing. <laughs> you wear that Brings in a match, it. and yeah, you wear that in a match, and your opponent will can't just can't concentrate. Well, if you want to really know, you actually just have to surf back a couple of photos on our social media back when I wore this shirt at uh, Caden's Corner Golf Outing, and it was hideous then, and it's more hideous now. It's, and I'm sitting in a semi-dark office recording our podcast. Yeah, but look look how it brings out his eyes, guys. Look at it that. Does. It's it incredible. does. Thanks, man. Very slimming. <laughs> There's nothing slimming on me, Bob. <laughs> All right, enough about me. One last little plug to Christian. So on 14, you, I'm going to post this one. He has this beauty of a little knockdown shot. Three jacks it. Don't want to say anything about that. But on 25, excuse me, I said 14, on 24, because we number our holes 1 through 27. 25, I don't know, 350 downhill, left. He's chipping out of the woods behind the green because he drove it over it. (laughs) Solid four. It's a beauty of a a third shot, Andy, though. And Christian weighs all of, what, 150 pounds? Well, he's got cadet small gloves. (laughs) Enough said. Yeah, right. Now, but I'll tell you what, when you go, you, you saw the one picture. I mean, Brendan, as a teacher of the game, the kid goes after, doesn't he? It's amazing how guys of such slight stature can really move the ball. Yeah. JT, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Cam Smith, for that matter. I mean. But the, yeah. the, more, the more you study the golf swing and you listen to – all the available content that's out, that's out there mm-hmm. uh, for consumption, it's clearly obvious that speed happens more by technique than it happens by pure strength, right? I mean, sure. yeah. people who are doing the right things with their body at the right time, and there's some awesome stuff out there. If, if, if you listeners want to really take a deep dive into this stuff, AMG Golf, Athletic Motion Golf, yep. is an awesome uh, account to, to follow on YouTube. And they they provide so much great feedback, um, you know, through the use of biomechanical uh, sensors and things like that. And, it, and it's just awesome not to go too far down that path. But um, that's how people like Christian hit it as far as they do. 
Uh, you continue down that path because I'm intrigued. I mean, give them, continue to give them the shameless plug, Andy. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking that AMG was, was Andy's massive gouge swing. I don't have that, Bob. I have a <laughs> I have a silky syrupy swing. Yeah, no, it's smooth. I agree with Andy. There's many people come. Was out. it? Is it smooth and silky? <laughs> like your voice, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> That if you've got the technique, then that's going to let you move your body more effectively. <clears throat> and there's, you know, I'm, I'm back down in my high school weight. I think I'm, I'm in the low 160s now. Um, and I used to hit it out there 300 something yards. And it was to me more technique. It was more fundamentals. And then from an early age, just moving quickly. And these really big guys would just think, oh, I just can sort of, you know, the phrase I'll muscle it out there. But you look at Will, you look at JT. Mm -hmm. uh, Rory, um, Willie Z, who got the hurt back. Um, but, you know, you don't, you can be slight of build, quote unquote, but very athletic and have that, just that great, um, I mean, lots of places you got power and leverage in the swing and lag and you can get out there as a, as a little guy. Well, let's turn it back even further. How about, how about uh, Mr. Hogan? I mean, yeah. five, yeah. seven, one forty, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah and just could flat out cook it and i remember bobby I've, i mentioned his name before i mean he was one of the one of the first golf pros i ever worked for guy by the name of mike Wynn. mike Wynn was probably about the same he's about maybe five seven maybe one maybe 140 but all he used to talk about was balance and timing balance and timing and you, you can't ever go away from that i mean we've got these the last two three years the brysons and the guys going that route of beefing up but it always comes back to what you just said. It's the, it's the balance, the timing, the technique, and you don't have to be big and bulky to get it done. And in fact, it's kind of rare that those guys are able to move it. Like some of these guys that are a little bit more, you know, lanky and, and a little bit quicker with the hands and, and moving the body a little bit quicker. So let me ask you a question, Bernard, on that, on, because I actually had a conversation the other day. I was because I was watching the amateur. We'll get we'll get to that a little bit more because I want obviously we want to dive into that. But the younger guys today, and and I was talking with our head golf professional Riley Plitz. Plug here for Riley, who I believe will, is going to win garner a couple of more awards here in the New Jersey section for her teaching and some in merchandising other other things. But uh, I have noticed that more and more players are flaring that left foot open that forward foot excuse me i should say the forward foot and my question is is that more of where the game is in terms of there's so much the younger players all about the ground force of part part of the game when you look at the technology like andy was saying you look at the technology that, that's available today um that shows vast difference between what a tour professional how they move their body um like sports box i had mentioned it a couple weeks ago when i was on i think this is just transforming the game and letting people you know it had been talked about how to move the body but when you can see a 3d rendering of your own body and how it's supposed to move and you talk about the footwork and how how flaring that foot out like people struggle to get clear the hips and get get everything moving the way it's supposed to um and andy can speak on this too with sports box it's amazing you'll look at a 2d video of a kid or whoever I, i'm with kids 
and you you feel like they move their body well but then when you put this overlay of how it's moving and how much rotation they're getting they're not even they're not even close <clears throat> so when they can see that and they can and you can get them to understand how it has to move you put some drills in there to get them to start moving that way and thinking about the golf swing is a very rotational thing um it opens up a whole new world like i mean you can literally take people in the past where it it may take a long period of time to get them to move from one spot to another spot but now with technology it's it's the ability to see something like we haven't seen it before <clears throat> All right. So we've all talked about, I, I'm going to jump in again. I'm sorry, Andy. I know you're baiting. You're right there. I can tell you're ready to say something, but <laughs> I know I'm golf pro champions tour here. So my question is when I attempt to do that, and this is the difference between old school and new school. When I attempt to do that, why am I leaving everything dead? Right. Anybody want to die? Any okay there you go that's that's that's, that's, that's uh the only answer to that that'll question. be that'll be 45 dollars for the, yeah. for the lesson now. all flight law yeah. all flight laws no but but i i honestly uh you know think brendan's point you know about the technology and the ability of of things like sportsbox sportsbox is a is a, such a cool tool that measures the biomechanical positions of the body throughout the swing. And we're so used to looking at, everyone loves impact pictures, like down the line. And you see people with these really rotated lower bodies and you know wonderful positions that they get themselves in. But it's not really about that. It's, it's you know, if, if you look at how rotated some of these guys are at impact, your, your logical conclusion is, okay, well, I got to start to get my lower body turning quicker. But in reality, what happens is a lot of people get turning quicker and stall out and stop turning. Right. So right. they never get even close to there. It's the people who time it right, the people who have that kinematic sequence where it should be that allows that, that 2D photograph of impact to look like it does. And it's not what what people would logically think it is yeah you're right there's a disconnect between what the at least what i've found of what the body's how the body moves and what the hand path is doing and mm -hmm. the relationship between the two of those things that's where people just can't connect but again you're seeing it in a different way today not just the sport box but there's a lot of good stuff out there and if you're hitting it to the right it's no doubt you're lifting your head it was as simple as that. <laughs> um, I just don't want yeah. to look at this shirt anymore, Bobby. <laughs> no, I, you know, I want to say something because I, I, I'm at Trident Golf Center and I'm looking out the window and I Shame, I, shameless plug for Trident Golf Center. <laughs> coming to you at Trident, Erica. Um, two weeks ago, I literally went running fast out of my golf shop door out to the driving range. There were two guys hitting balls. They were aiming it so far right as right-handed golfers. I was semi-shocked and my range balls were going into a soccer field. So I, I ran out and I said, Hey guys, I'm going to give you just some, some really good help on alignment. You know, they had no idea, but um, you know, when people say, Oh, hitting to the right, what is it? I go, 
could be your equipment, could be your body, could be your ball position, probably your alignment. It's like so many things. People think it's their actual physical swing, but it's so many things before that. And I say, you know, Brent and I are out there teaching a lot. Andy does a lot in this area. I literally would say nine out of 10 people don't have a clue about alignment. Oh, 100%. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. In alignment, alignment means your body. It means the club yep. and in your whole body, you know, from your ankles all the way up to your shoulders, right? Yep. It means everything. There's, there's a lot of variables there. This last week, uh, for whatever reason in the world, I started four new adults into the game of golf. Two guys from Germany, one from Belgium, one from, I forget where he was. It was somewhere in uh, Europe. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on alignment and ball position and setup. And I said, people want to make the best swing possible, but if you can't physically set up and if you're anatomically out of position, you're never going to swing well. And they, everybody I teach that is new to the game want to start moving the body and swing, swing, swing. And I go, easy there, killer. Yeah. Uh, we're going to work in this setup. Um, and when I tell people, I'm not trying to make you scared at all, at all. But if you think about it, alignment, ball position, right hand, left hand, posture, tilt, on and on and on. You got a lot of stuff you think about before the club goes half an inch back. Well, uh, the beauty of that, though, is it's all pre before you even move, start moving the body. So that stuff, in my mind, when you get them to understand, I do a test with students. First thing we do, if they're a newbie or if they're a four handicap on alignment and the getting them to understand the railroad track theory. I was a gay brewer guy. That was the first book I had with all the drawings and stuff in it. And you've got your target line going towards the target and your body line. And like Andy said, it's not just your toe line. It's everything stacking up on top of that toe line. Parallel left. That blows people's mind because they always set the body up towards the target. And then why do I hit it right? Well, because you're target line is far right of your of where it should be yeah i, I remember one i mean i you guys look you, you guys are phenomenal teachers far more te did more far more teaching i ever did in my career but i remember when i gave some lessons i always used to use the analogy of what does it say on the right on the right mirror of a car yeah. I, <laughs> it says just objects it, of objects in the mirror may be a clear <laughs> closer I, and I used to use the analogy when they're trying to do alignment and everybody's trying to line up. And I'm, by the way, I'm actually trying to lay, do this that way, visually <laughs> for the guys. And they're doing it over their left shoulder. They end up looking, lining up so far right of the of the target line. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, distortion, meant, visual distortion. That's all I got to contribute to this conversation. No, it's, that's, <laughs> so, it's so true, though. I, I tell people, you don't have to be tiger to control the environment in the whole address setup. Everything you do before the club is back, you don't have to be a world-class athlete. You can, you can do a lot of good things to help your golf game, make it fun. Um, you know, where I was out on the course with, with one of the guys the other day, he rolled the 20-footer up and half of the ball was hanging over the, the, the cup. Literally, true story. I looked at him, I said, isn't this a crazy game? Half of your ball is hanging over the lip of the hole. Tap that in, that's one shot. And if we teed it up right here out the hole and you hit it 350 yards, that is one shot. <laughs> it's bizarre. Exactly. Well, but does that not come back to the con conversation last week where we were talking about growing or learning the game from the green out? Right. 
where I think there's a massive disconnect, especially in this here in the states, that oh, I have to hit it far, bro. Bro, bro. Is that Dustin Johnson back there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about distance. It's uh now you uh you know, not th- this was just an interesting week before our podcast here, but four times I've run on the course and I had starting position on each different hole with four different men, depending on their caliber golfer. We did not play the quote unquote men's tees. We didn't play any quote unquote markers on the teeing ground. We moved into the fairway in four different areas that I felt they could absorb the game, consume it on their own, on their own merits. And and they're going to have fun. Well, Brendan, you're, Brendan, you were actually with some of your students. You, you do you've been going through the Operation Thirty Six model yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the only logical way to learn the game for a new person. I, I mean because because of what media and everything we see on TV is all about, you know, the bro long ball. That's just the wrong approach. And Matt Reagan and, and his team, I mean, what they do with Op Thirty Six makes people enjoy the game before they start to hate it and 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 that is that's how you grow the game quote unquote is making sure people love it from the get-go and they're on the golf course bobby talks about that all the time about getting them out on the golf course as quickly as possible but you don't start them from the tee box because they won't come back the next absolutely not yeah andy is golf is uh live growing the game (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure that Liv is, is, uh, <laughs> really growing the game. No, no, I would say no. Okay. Well, actually we should, we should wrap up. I did not mean to take us down this whole long conversation, but if, folks, if you, you have an opportunity, these last, let me look here, these last 15 minutes that we've been talking just about the, these three guys know more about the golf swing and they are phenomenal, have phenomenal insight. And check out some of the companies that uh, both Andy and Brendan and Bob, they all mentioned. They have, there's a lot of good stuff out there, right, guys, that uh, people can can enhance and develop their game even further. Um, and maybe I won't hit it right now because I'll keep my head down and remember the ball flight loss. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a good point, Alan. You know, we talk about learning the game from the whole back, so nothing better than a new golfer going to complete synthetic turf. <laughs> one of our, you know, wonderful partners, uh, complete synthetic turf.com. If you want to help your golf game, get some synthetic turf at the house. Also good for wear and tear around the house, around the business. Maybe you have a business, there's wear and tear. You can put the synthetic down. They'll take care of everything. And if, even if you have uh, pets, great spot for pets. So check out complete synthetic turf.com. They can do everything as large as 43,000 square foot synthetic putting green down here in Florida to small areas. So thank you to our friends at Complete Synthetic Turf. 43,000 is one acre, by the way. It's Wicked Lodge. <laughs> that's that's some good, I wouldn't say useless information, but that's some good information, Alan. Yes, that is very good information. <laughs> and uh, you know who, uh, I've got some more good information, which is we have 30 players competing at Eastlake uh, this week, uh, Brennan. And um, anybody surprising, anybody you're thinking, I, and, and actually before we go there about Eastlake, do you like the stacked leaderboard going in? 
is the traditionalist. I'm gonna I'm saving Andy on this. I want I want Andy's calculating. <laughs> Do you I'm like? Still, I'm still. This is still very difficult for me to have have it sink in and be okay with it. With starting out at ten under par for whoever's in the lead points wise, it's just an odd way of going about it. In my opinion, so you don't like the horse race handicapping. No, I don't. Bobby? I'm not a fan of it. It's like going to Indianapolis 500 and Mario Andretti has a three-lap start. I don't, it's just weird to me. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm just like, exactly. I, I guess that's a good word. I just feel uncomfortable with it. I don't like it. All right, Andy. Let me be the dissenting point of view here. <laughs> um, I, and And as a player... I don't think I would really like it. As a fan, there's two reasons why I like it. Because on about day three, you kind of forget about that whole handicapping thing. And you can watch the rest of the tour championship as a regular tournament, even though they didn't all start in the same place. But before, it used to be difficult to watch because everyone's making all the calculations. Oh, if he misses this putt, But then the other guy over here, three putts, you know, nobody really knew what the the final final was going to be. And that was tough to watch. So so while there are, you know, definite downsides to it, I think by the weekend, it makes for for a better watching experience. And and you know what? I'm actually going to join you in the dissenting vote on this. I actually kind of like it. Um, And I'll... Similar reasoning rationale is you're pairing the top guys right out of the gate together because no disrespect to 15 through 30, they got to do something insanely special to get up in that. So you already know the guys where it's all on the line, they're in that first, you know, they're in the seven first seven groups, let's just say. And they're close, they're only a couple shots apart, and it and it makes it significant from the first day. Let's say hypothetically, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say Cam Smith, but let's say Cam had shot a big number on the first day. He's out, but he's really not under this format. He may- Yeah, and I, I, I would, one, one argument on the other side is that I think the, the first two playoff events award too many points. I, I absolutely, I've been saying yeah. that for, for years now. Yeah. So, so the winner of the Memphis event you know, jumps up to the top and, you know, and, and if, if you're really rewarding the season long champion, I think the, the BMW and the FedEx, the point, the points are too high. Agreed. It's like four times the points, right. From the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. You combine that with the handicapping and then it's a little bit. Well, that's what happened with Tony last year, right? I mean, Tony Finau last year, he was just kind of middle of the pack, but he he puts on two good weeks, and and moves right up. Yeah. Does anybody know offhand where Cantley was prior to the win last week? Uh, prior to the win last week. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. But I think you know, was... I think it was it was Zalatoris and Scheffler were one and two, right? Right. Yeah. And Cam yeah. was and Cam was. Three, I believe, was he or I think he was four. Okay, can't remember who three was. Maybe Fino was up 
I can't, I can't remember. But I do, I to your point about this, the, how the points are quadrupled, it's just, it's too much. I could see it, you know, doubled for sure. Yeah. It, it's clear, it's clearly another piece to the puzzle in these secret meetings that they are <laughs> redefining the tour <laughs> that they need to redefine because I, I disagree with it. Yeah. And not, I think, not that think they're going to listen solely to me because I disagree with it, but if you wear but that they, shirt, they might listen to you. Oh, yeah. You bro. They've, they've <laughs> changed, they've changed the format in the, the details of the FedEx cup quite often. Right. Yeah. So I think in their defense, they're trying to get it right. Um, and there's always going to be arguments against the way they're doing it. Cause that's the nature of people, but um, it's not like they're not trying. So these are, very, these are always these big events, the open championship, uh, especially I love being in my golf shop when people come in and go, hey, who's winning? I go, you know, Cantley's got a three shot lead over Baldessari. And I come up with some other names and they go, really? Bald, where's Baldessari from? I think Italy, maybe. And I'm standing right there with the name tag. And uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things ever. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. All the that time. Awesome. All the time. Well, Brendan, you, I, Brendan, I tried to. It was like we were playing volleyball there. I set that one. I was trying to have you just spike it to take us to the next part, which is let's talk about the secret meetings. I, I was so on. It was right there because I know, I know you were trying to pick up on my little cue there, but I mean, I see the alley you come and I sometimes I can't jump that high though. He was blinded by your shirt, but that's okay. That's right. Uh. You know, Liv is poke, poking fun at the fact that the secret meeting lasted all four days and there's all kinds of conversations out about a tour within a tour and Tiger's going to hide and try to hijack things. And uh, anything, anything that you're hearing at the scuttlebutt uh, that just like you scratch your head on. There's one thing that's intriguing to me, and it was Rory and Tiger teaming up to do some kind of arena like bringing golf competition to arenas or there's yes, sports so field yes. or whatever. Yep. And I'm intrigued about that for sure, because you, you see the, the popularity of the game has exploded from the off course stuff, like the top golfs and the pop stroke and stuff like that. So I think maybe that's where this sprouted from, at least from Tiger's standpoint with him having a vested interest in pop stroke and trying to take the popularity of off golf course and bring the competition, maybe of professionals into this somehow. I'm, I'm not sure what the, what's behind it, but. Or is, or is this similar to like they did with, I think it was Petco park in San Diego a number of years ago where they yeah. turned it into a, turned it into a par three golf course from all different locations. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. I think, I think top golf was involved in that, weren't they? With Callaway, yeah. 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 Here's, here's, you know, my, my take on this a little bit is, um, it's almost like Tiger is now being the playing commissioner, and maybe that's not so bad for yeah. tour that you've got a little bit di different dynamics. Of Jay Monahan is the business CEO, Tiger is the mm. the face, the playing CEO. It's this is a stretch, I know, but it's like a Bill Russell coach. It's like some players have been the player coach on a team, uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's the way to go to. Uh, to get the tour back to where they need to get to be. And Jason Gore's new position too. I always liked Jason Gore. Yeah. And I think his personality is going to mesh well with 
with that side of stuff, the player relations type stuff. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of lately have been thinking about this whole dynamic between the PGA tour and live kind of like the, the dynamic between Titleist and the rest of the world that makes golf balls, you know, where there've been times where, you know, like I remember Max Fly came out with their DDH yeah. ball and yep. the whole world was saying, Oh, Titleist is going down. You know, <clears throat> being slow to react when you're the king of the hill is kind of okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's you ha- you've built up that amount of of ability to to sit back and and make the right decisions and and uh, you know if the, if the PGA Tour makes these these changes in in these moves, I think I think it's okay, right? I mean, they're yeah. they're adjusting to the environment to what's going on out there, and you know. I well, think did, you, did you happen to, and again, I'm foreshadowing because we're going to talk about the USAM briefly, but did you happen to catch the uh, caption that was put up on the, during the USAM about what it meant to the kid, the, to the final two, to, to uh, Carr and Bennett? And the very first line, it said, likely invitation to the Masters 2023. Well, that's always been the case. Really? That's, that's always been the case. So. Okay. They, they, I don't ever remember them not giving an invitation to somebody who's earned it, you know, like, like my, one of my good friends. No, I took, I took it. I took it, Andy, to say that they're, that they, as well as the other three majors, are they evaluating their structure of who is invited to play and participate? No, I think that that was a comment about Augusta. one of one of my good friends, Bobby, remember Ace Eaton? Yeah. Um, yep. He won the U.S. Mid-Am in 2004. And, you know, the U.S. Mid-Am champ gets to play in, in the Masters. And he didn't get his official invitation for, you know, months and months and months. Um, because Augusta always wants to reserve the right to not invite somebody if the situation has reasons for for that to be that way um so i think that's what that was all about alan Hmm. i thought i i was i was wondering if that was in anticipation of the continued look we we all we all know that i mean ultimately the majors the majors hold all the cards for for the future of the pga tour and live in my opinion yeah, and Augusta, Augusta has the smallest field in golf, so... Right. Besides, sorry, besides Liv. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys watched or saw any of the um, world golf rankings, some of the stuff that came out. There was a cool tutorial video. I think it was on Global Golf Post or one of them that I was looking at of some changes, and I watched it, and I can't even regurgitate it right now of what all the changes were, but a lot of mathematics and stuff go into it. Um, I just don't see a pathway for live for these players to be able to accumulate the points that they would need other than past champions being able to play in, in majors. I just don't see how this is going to play out in their favor. Patrick so, Reed, Patrick Reed was teeing it up in, in Asia, I believe last week, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. 
Yep, Rich, get... fat, and happy Patrick is teaming yeah. up in Asia. Well, not happy. He's never happy. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> um, Dustin Johnson fell out of the top 20 in world rankings for the first time in, I don't know how many years, but a significant amount of years. Mm -hmm. Yep. Some That's the downfall right there. The majors and world golf rankings. You can have all the court case course filings that you want to have and trials, and that's it right there. It is I thought it was interesting. What, 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 happen, what happens if they force the – what happens if – because you know they're going to file litigation uh, against the world golf rankings, and the world golf rankings will counter, say, 72 old events with cuts mm -hmm. and what have you. Does, does Liv change its model then? They have to. There's no other way. And then, well, then, then what are they then? They're nothing Maybe. special. I, I made the, I made this comment. I can't made this comment probably over a month ago. What happens when they become what they hate? Yeah, and and if if you caught wind of the contracts, right? I mean, Phil Mickelson, you can kiss the whole golf world's ass for all the shit that you said about why the PGA Tour sucks. Because everything in your live contract is that and more. You know, talk about media rights, talk about restrictions. Talk. I mean, give me a break. Well, Pat Perez sneaking out of that lawsuit, too, because yeah. he sees the writing on the wall. Oh, there's no hard feelings with the PGA Tour. But in that press conference in Portland, you wouldn't have thought that that's really the feelings that he had. No, no, he wanted to lead. He wanted to lead the charge. Yep. yep. Maybe he cashed his check. <laughs> I, I saw there was some uh, dissenting comments because early on there was this one comment which I thought was unbelievably fascinating. The tour would want to go away from nonprofit status, but oh, yeah. yep. Yep. that they wanted to stay. So it's you know who knows who what happened in the room, but um, yeah, I, I worked for Dean Beam and he hired me to this club in Virginia, and he told me the story how this sort of came up when he thought about this and the nonprofit uh, status and how the tournaments were put together. It was an amazing afternoon over lunch when he gave me the whole background story. So that goes way, way back to when he went in there in 74. Uh, so that would be, that'd be interesting if they even thought about changing that. I know there's more than a few PGA club professionals like Brendan and I that would love our association to be for profit. Uh, that's all yeah. another can of worms. So you know, Titleist ultimately came out with the Pro V1. So do we? So do we uh, touch on the uh, maybe the seven that will be uh, that are, are linked to uh, to yeah. leaving? Obviously, Leach, Leachman and and Cam. Those are the two that I know that I've heard a lot. But then after that, I have no idea. Uh, Matsuyama. Hideki. Who else? Yeah, Hideki. Who else? Ringali. Wow. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I still decided I'm I'm not going to move to. If my name's on there, don't worry about it. <laughs> the the young Italian. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> young Italian. He's from Italy. Really, I haven't heard of him before. He's, He's still trying to win the Open Championship. So, so in other words, what I'm trying to say is, next week's show could be very interesting, analyzing how yeah. how everything is maybe shifted. Well, I think I think um, they were saying that all that comes down after the President's Cup, right? Yeah, because Immelman put out his guys and Cam was prominent on his top.
top eight yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So hmm. when is the President's Cup? End of September? I think it's the third week of September, right? Yeah. Yeah. This year, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, when I, when I first heard that seven significant players, my eyebrows raised a little bit, but, you know, then when you start to think, okay, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Hideki, you know, those are significant names. But the one thing the PGA Tour has is they have a bunch of guys that can step in and take the limelight from Hideki or from Cam Smith. And so, so yeah. So, so <clears throat> who is going to have more power uh, in a, in connecting with the golf fans? Is it going to be Max Homa, who is knocking on the doors of stardom, mm-hmm. and 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 tweets Sam Burns, mm-hmm. or is it going to be Hideki, who obviously connects with the Asian market, but is he connecting here in, in the States or for that matter, Leishman or for that matter? I mean, Cam, Cam, because Cam's unique. He, everybody loves the mullet. Matsuyama was important with the Masters win, but I think more so, obviously, for for Asia. Right. Um, it was a great story. And, you Phenomenal know, the, story. Probably one of the one of the best golf pictures of all time with his yep. caddy. Yeah. But but to Andy's point, there there is so many guys out there just waiting. Yep. Who's who's the next Will Zalatoris? And you don't you don't think that the golfing public could easily fall in love with Will Zalatoris and with Sahith Tagala and oh yeah, all, all these, you know, Cam Young. I, I mean, they, there's so many waiting to be you know, in the limelight. All all I'm trying to say is that with the use of social media, if they are, if they properly position it and they get their players to engage with the fans like a JT does. I mean, JT's flying on his private jet. Some, Hey, I got an hour. Let's have a, let's have a, you know, Q and a. Yep. They understand their brand. Yeah. And they're doing that even absent and outside, you know, the directives of the PGA tour, they're doing it to build their own personal persona is live going to allow that to be the case. I don't think so. They have to stick to the narrative. They have, I mean, at least right now. Yeah. And what's the narrative? We, we play for a lot of money growing the game and growing the game and you get 25% less product for your, for your uh, dollar, Mr. Fan. (laughs) Anyway, uh, was there some negativity in that comment? Yes, yes, there was, bro, bro, (laughs) bro, bro. (laughs) Anyway, um, a lot of bros up in uh, up in North Jersey, uh, USAM. I mean, talk about good theater down to the end. Never would have saw. I I literally left the golf course. It was uh, three up. We'll jump right to the last nine. Three up, Bennett's got a nice little lead. Who would have thought it comes down to the uh 36 hole? I thought I thought you were gonna say I left the golf course when Bennett was on the 17th tee, and when I got home, he was still on the 17th tee. Oh, yeah, right. God. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a Sergio uh pre-shot going. Wow. Lord. Bobby, do you teach that? <laughs> <laughs> 
total no athleticism <laughs> and reaction and no no way Andy, how about the brashness? Because uh, I feel like I'm the best player here. And, you know, he, the, the kid had uh, a certain level of confidence about him now. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's part of that generation, though. You know, I think that's that whole, you know, I'm the man thing is is part of the young guy, which is which is all fine. I just, you know, getting back to <clears throat> how ridiculously far those two kids hit the golf ball. And Sam Bennett is not a big guy at all um but you know they're throwing that thing out there 185 mile an hour ball speed it's like oh my god two I'd great like to, players yeah i would like the idea bennett um didn't have the perfect swing but it's a good example of just if you're comfortable you're confident and it's just the holy grail at impact anyways like trevino talked about that six inches right in there going into impact but it's sort of nice when you don't have the perfect swing. Um, I know I find that sort of refreshing in the world of instruction these days. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. No cookie cutter. I and and it goes to what you were saying before, Alan, about who's going to be the next on tour. There's so many storylines out there. There's so many good backstories. Looking at U.S. AMs or you know PGA Junior Championships. Or the the girl that I wrote about for that from Jacksonville just such a cool kid and every single one of those kids or every one of the kids playing in the USAM just so many good stories out there that are to be told and we'll just keep learning but I, one thing I am afraid of is this talk that we always have about rolling the ball back I don't want that to happen but every time you see how how just ridiculously far these these kids are hitting the golf ball that's going to come up at some point and I just I don't think that's a good move there's other ways to skin a cat you know, tightening up fairways and growing up rough and, you know, making sure the greens are speedy. Well, what low qualifier was only, what, what, what was it, Andy? Do you have it there? I mean, it was only like five, six under, right? Yeah. And the cut was, was playoff at five, five over. Yeah. I mean, that's high. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I mean, that's a, that is a hard golf course guys. I mean, and it's an old style golf course and it's narrow and it's got OB and, it's got tiny greens with slope and undulation, but right, I mean, right. there's a perfect example uh, of, of a golf course that, that it, yeah, there's distance, but. Yeah, there, I agree with Brendan. I actually didn't have it. Brendan's looking at me like, but what Alan? What the, what? I didn't. It's just, um, there are, there it's like are a hanging, that was like a hanging Chad right there. Brendan. Sorry. <laughs> There making are fun ways, of us in there Florida. Are ways to do it that don't don't necessarily lie in how far people are hitting it. My point was just that's the narrative that people like to go. Oh, absolutely. With. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. Uh any any striking story out of the the USAM this year that you know caught you? I'm gonna I'm just gonna offer mine. I can't even remember his name. The the 34-year-old guy from from Oregon who knocked off uh one of the young, one of the top guns right out of the gate. I love, I just love the the uniqueness of the tournament. Yeah, that's the guy that beat Michael uh, Thor Bjornsson. Yes, yes. Massachusetts. Yep. Yeah, I met Michael at the country club when he was in the dry chip of putt. He made it to the finals um, years ago. I mean, you could tell that kid was going to be a good player. That's where I heard that kid's name before. Yeah. It was DCP. Yeah, that's I cool. 
Yeah, that that final two had to be super emotional. Both of those guys lost their dads um, within a relatively short time ago, and that's got to be like, wow. I mean, it's a physical and mental toll anyways, and uh, on top of that, you got to be thinking. And I think there was something about I, – I, um, I can't remember which, which of the, the, the final two there, uh, but he had a special ball marker that his dad gave him, and then – he, he, he thought he lost it and on the 16th hole or something, or towards the end, he puts his hand in his pocket and the ball marker's there. Hmm. Really, like really gives you the chills type of thing. Wow. Andy, any other thoughts about the USAM this year? No, it's just, it's just a favorite event for me. I love to I, watch. I did, I did see one little interesting one that they should give, they should allow that or have that finish on Saturday. So it yeah. that the final is on its own distinct day that the the network should change, so that not to compete with uh, the BMW in this case. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. All right, 18th Green boys, uh, who's going to go first? Brendan, you're going first. Final thoughts. Uh, tour championships always exciting, regardless of if you know we've got all this live stuff overshadowing it, but. Uh, I, I really want to see, at this point, Will Zalatorius. I, I'd love to see him come out after all the what-ifs and can he do it, and now that he's broke through, can he continue to ride with that momentum? So that's who I'm That's who I'm going to root for this week. I concur. Bobby? Uh, I'm going to finish with the, it was a sad note when we heard uh, Tom Weisskopf passed away this week, and – I mean, one of the great, great players of all time. And Travis, he's not in the World Golf Hall of Fame. But, you know, maybe he had some misunderstandings about his game or attitude or whatever through the years. But um, there's the playing part of his career that is unbelievably strong and one of the best swings out there. Uh, but I think, you know, his legacy might just be all the courses he designed and all the work he did, and especially TPC Scottsdale and the mm -hmm. drivable par four and how that started to change things and pick up momentum in America with uh, some of the architecture and everything would, you know, the idea of a drivable par four, very strategic, how that is just, now it's, it's, it's more common than it was when he put that together. Uh, so, you know, just uh, hopefully, uh, you know, he is remembered in the right way, uh, great player and uh, amazing course designer. And, and I think you would agree that, He's a guy that uh, he and Johnny Miller, if they not maybe been at the time of the uh, Golden Bears right. pinnacle of his career, it probably would have notched many more victories. But uh, Andy? Yeah, I mean, good shout out there, Bobby, on Wisecock. Um, I, I love to, on the weekend mornings, get up, turn on my TV on the Golf Channel and watch the European tour. Um, it's, it's just a great way to spend a leisurely morning. Um, and this week they were in the, the Czech Republic and Lewis Klein was a 12 year old kid was playing in the tournament mm -hmm. and like this kid was just traipsing around that golf course, like, like an old grumpy man. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, he, he had a chance to make the cut, um, 12 years old. And God, that's just amazing to see. And he was out there just 
looked like it was it was like his 500th PGA Tour event, just going through the motions and trying to make birdies and and uh, make the cut. So shout out to little 12 year old Lewis Klein. Wow. Okay. Hey, that, so that, that kid Brennan, he could be in your little linkster's best swing. <laughs> no, I go up to that age now. <laughs> That's mind blowing. <laughs> so uh, I'm my, I have I have a quick uh, dual shout out here. Um, one is we are recording in advance of our show release on the 24th, and on the 24th is my son number three, Tommy. It's his birthday, and so happy birthday to Tommy. Uh, Tommy, when I ask about golf, he goes, golf's stupid, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe he's got it more figured out than all of us combined. And my last thought is, Christian, thank you for coming down. Thank you for bringing your guys. You guys are always welcome in our golf course. Uh, Christian, of course, your buddies as well. And uh, that was a blast hanging out even for a few minutes. I fixed them up with a few transfusions, and they left the place happy. So, uh, yeah. Andy, don't be that guy. (laughs) Don't be that golf bro. That's what it is. (laughs) And on that note, folks, have a good week. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.